You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Emily. I'm Melina. We're part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how did they get that job, or what is that job really like, then keep on listening. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Please note that information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. Today we're joined by our guest, Rachel Kippen. First of all, thank you, Rachel, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Rachel is the Executive Director for O'Neill Sea Odyssey. And before we get into your job, can we ask you, what is O'Neill Sea Odyssey? Yeah, thank you. So O'Neill Sea Odyssey is a nonprofit that serves primarily fourth through sixth grade students along the Central Coast with a hands-on experiential marine science education program. So we take students out on a 65-foot catamaran on the Monterey Bay where they learn about navigation, ecology, and biology. We bring them back to our uh, shoreside education center in the harbor where they look at plankton under the microscope and chart their plots on a navigational chart, and then they also complete a community service project. So we're kind of multifaceted experiential education program for elementary to middle school age students. Very cool. And can you tell us about your background and how you became an executive director for New Sea Odyssey? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting and exciting road. Um, I'm originally from Hawaii, and Ooh. I spent a lot of my childhood surrounded by the water. And I personally am an experiential learner, so it has been you know it, it's actually been a really good fit for me to work in programming, where that's kind of how we encourage students to learn about the environment. But I knew I wanted to go in some sort of environmental related field after having a lot of experiences on the water. I I was a competitive kayaker, a competitive outrigger canoe paddler, and then in in my undergrad started really getting into environmental law and policy. And then so kind of from there, just really continued that course of exploring, you know, what does that look like for me in a professional way? Does that look like I should, you know, be doing research? Should I be doing po- yeah, policy work or should I be doing education? So I, I really actually got to experiment with all of those things and have ultimately kind of continuously come back to education. And so, yeah, most recently started here about six months ago. Wow. Um, which is an, a new role for me to be mm-hmm. um, an executive director of a nonprofit. It's feeling really fortunate. So what kind of jobs did you have before you started? Yeah, so, you know, right after I graduated from my undergraduate program in environmental studies, I wanted to go into field work. So I did research on terrapins, these little salt marsh turtles in New Jersey's wetlands of all places. You know, kind of wanted to... For me, I didn't have a ton of money. I was in debt after college. I not always can it be super lucrative to work in the environmental field, but certainly there are positions that pay well. But I wanted the opportunity to explore while being paid. So getting positions in research assistantships and environmental ed were really good ways to be able to move to locations and have my housing covered or my, you know, get a stipend for food, things like that. So in any event, I... I did research on terrapins, and then while I was doing that, found myself constantly talking to people about the research I was doing, as opposed to, like, really enjoying being by myself, you know, like, digging up turtle eggs. Um, And so I was like, you know, wow, I should probably get into into the education world a bit. I taught marine science at Catalina Island Marine Institute. I did uh, some curriculum design and curriculum work and sleepover programs at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I worked for Cal State Monterey Bay's Camp Sea Lab program, worked at the California Academy of Sciences in public programs, worked for Save Our Shores as the director of programs, another local nonprofit here that's doing advocacy work and ocean-related kind of more policy-oriented efforts. And then 
I completely switched gears and actually worked for government for a while. I worked for about two years oh. for the city of Watsonville as their environmental projects coordinator. Oh, wow. And what's really cool to see kind of the different sides, not only of environmental work from education to research to policy, but also to see kind of how the, these different sectors play together, you know, how, how businesses can be sustainable and how governments have a role in creating policies and programming that support the environment. And then, of course, how nonprofits can you know, kind of fill all these different niches. So I feel really lucky to have gotten to explore enough to, to feel ready and, and also certain that I want to be in this role. And what would you say your like typical responsibilities or your day looks like yeah. as an executive director? Yeah, what, what's really exciting about being an executive director is that it's incredibly varied. You know, there's never a dull moment. So even, for example, for this week, this is a good, I think, a good little slice of a week, a week in the life. I gave a presentation to 40 fourth graders at a girls empowerment camp in Ooh. Salinas about careers in marine science. I wrote a grant. I wrote a grant report. I met with with a major donor. I wrote a call an, a newspaper article and I I just got to do I've got to do a lot of different things. I get to come on a radio show today. You know, there's just a, there's there you you get to have kind of a really beautiful mix of working with individuals, with groups, with with funders, with collaborative partners, and then with actually with the folks that you're serving, right? With your community members who want to receive this education. So and and then there's also kind of kind of that individual work of getting to do a lot of writing and like writing a budget. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. so many different skills mm-hmm. that get to come into it, and a lot of learning that also happens, which is really nice. And yeah. what kind of environment and people do you work with? Like my office environment? Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. So we're located in the harbor, which is, you know, beyond sweet to have, yeah. like, be right next. We're right next to the crow's nest and we have a beautiful smell view. smell the salt water. Yeah. I can smell the salt water. I can take a walk on the beach or around the harbor if I want to break. I work with a lot of people who are similarly passionate about providing experiences to youth that are important in their growth um, related to stewardship of the environment. Um, and people that are just generally super nerdy about the environment, <laughs> which is really fun, you know, like sometimes we'll be having program and my office is next to um, our classrooms where they look at plankton and I'll be like, you know, writing a grant or something and then they'll see some crazy plankton or like a nudibranch <laughs> in their microscope and be like, oh my goodness, it's a blah, blah, nudibranch, polychaete, you know, just really, I think, a, a dynamic and engaging, basically a lot of like... I imagine them as like big kids, you know, mm-hmm. people who are as excited about the environment as they were probably when they were in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's fun. Very, and also casual, you know, with a dog friendly office, you can wear flip flops, you know, I gotta get, I gotta get dressed up sometimes, of course, if I'm going to give a presentation, but mm-hmm. um, it's a kind of work environment where people kind of like get to bring their, their whole selves to work, you mm-hmm. know. What kind of skills or training would be necessary to be an executive director? Yeah. You you mentioned that you worked a lot of different jobs and all that. How did those prepare you? Yeah, I think that was really helpful because it was able for, it helped me see, again, the the various perspectives and the various sectors that make a nonprofit work. I was, I, I think I was pretty naive when I was, um, you know, freshly out of undergraduate thinking, um, having maybe some perspectives of like, well, we got to regulate business or we got to just do policy. We're going to make these laws and everyone's going to follow them. And like, as opposed to being like, you know, you really need to find common ground. And there are so many ways that all of these people and groups want to contribute. And it's my job to help make that bridge, you know? So if it's a local business that wants to come out and volunteer for a day, for example, and um, for example, one of our partners is the Dream Inn, right? So they're, you know, they're located on the ocean. I think they're a pretty prime prime example of like kind of businesses that might support 
uh, environmental nonprofit, right? Because they're benefiting from the environment, yeah, right? They're like yeah. tourism is people are attracted to this region yeah. because of how beautiful it is, and so. For us to find ways to say, oh, okay, you're going to volunteer with us and, oh, maybe you're going to sponsor a class. Like, There's, I think, a lot of really cool creative partnerships and being able to have those perspectives of you know, working with different groups, I think, mm-hmm. allows you to be flexible enough. You just really have to be flexible. You know, your day, you might have a plan for your day and it just it explodes. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to get this done today. Ah, ha, ha. No, I'm not. I'm going to have an a, you know, impromptu meeting or you know, take advantage of this opportunity that just came up. You just really have to have that flexibility. And you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but can you explain more of the education background you had for this position? Yeah, my personal education background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I got an undergraduate degree in environmental studies with a con- uh, marine conservation emphasis. I, after undergrad, you know, worked for several years, and then I went to San Francisco State University when I was working at the California Academy of Sciences, and I got a certificate. It was a two-year program that I did in about six to eight months, a certificate in strategic leadership and nonprofit management. That was really helpful. Also, a lot of programs like that, I I, I strongly encourage because you can work at the same time. Mm -hmm. I was not able to afford to go fully back into school and pay for that without being able to work. So I was able to do that program on evenings and weekends. Then went and got, I went to graduate school at Prescott College, which is another partial, you know, you don't have to be there physically every day. I just worked one-on-one with a professor really closely for three years um, and graduate work in environmental justice education. And then during that time, I got another certificate in transdisciplinary environmental education from Cornell, which is really cool. But yeah, so I've got, I got, you know, I got a couple of certificates and degrees and I, I think it's not necessary. I think oftentimes we, we say, oh, you know, where's your undergraduate degree or graduate degree? And now you got to be a doctor to be whatever. And, you know, for me, school was really helpful for broadening, again, my perspectives and my understanding about how to work with folks. I don't think that you have to have those degrees, my degrees or, or anything else to necessarily become an executive director. I think mm-hmm. you just have to have those, you know, applicable that experience, that experience. Is, yeah. that experience is really important yeah yeah and the, the the learning of course is helpful yeah <laughs> for those who are just tuning in you're listening to what to be at ksqd 90.7 fm santa cruz i'm melina and i'm joined by other host emily we're speaking with rachel kippen who is the executive director for o'neill c odyssey and what interest you or inspired you to get involved in this career industry yeah what interesting well i would say you know again i i have add um, I'm, I was, I was, a, I was smart as a, as a kid in school, but I was distracted. And again, the experiential part of learning for me was really, really crucial. And when I started to see that there was opportunity for me to get paid for the things that I enjoyed doing, you know, that I was outgoing and that I liked to talk to people and that I liked to be outdoors and that I were careers in that field. It, that was actually a, a viable field for me. That in, that was definitely inspiring. And I had a couple, you know, kind of pivotal moments as a child. When I was doing canoe paddling, I would see, I would see sea turtles all the time. Um, and then I I learned over time that that some of the sea turtles in Hawaii, the Hawaiian green sea turtles, were dying because of the disease called fibropapilloma, where they grow these tumors in kind of the soft parts of their tissue. It, it prevents them from being able to swim and control their buoyancy and eat and get away from predators. And, you know, after being immersed in the environment, seeing them regularly, seeing suffering, and then learning that it was connected to environmental quality issues, that sparked my first internship. Internships ended up being very important for me too. It sparked my first internship to do be part of the Hawaiian Green Sea Turtle Restoration and Rehab Program. And that kind of just was like a launching point. One of several just, again, immersive learning experiences. 
that, that also felt very inspiring. You know, the work feels, um, I want to go home at the end of the day and I don't need to be detached from my work. You know, it's not like a nine to five kind of job. It's kind of like my whole life. But in that way, it's, it's my whole life and that it also feels really important to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't mind that it takes up my whole life yeah. as a result, you know? Yeah. And if you were to hire someone to replace you, like yeah. today, today, what kind of skills would you look for or experience Ooh. would you look for in yeah. a candidate? That's a great question. Or maybe a question that you would ask them. Yeah, yeah a question <laughs> I would ask them or skills that I would look for. You know what? I would really... I really would want them to value diversity, diversity in perspectives, diversity in actually, you know, who physically is a part of our program and equity. I think that's a huge piece of environmental education that is growing, but is still lacking that, that a lot of environmental decisions have been made by only a small group of people and they affect a large group of people. And, and we need to be having people of color and women and LGBTQ. We need all, we need everyone. Everyone needs to be in in the mix to actually have effective solutions. So I would really, I would say that'd be one of the, the highest priorities for me to find my replacement would be that that would be a value that they were also seeking for the organization. And then the, the communication side of being a person in a position like this is huge. You know, you, you've got to be someone who wants to engage with others, wants to listen to what they have to say and go to community events and, and be, again, incredibly flexible in that way. So I would look for someone, I think, with some of those major qualities. And passion is really important because that's what gets you through these long weeks, yeah. you know? <laughs> you got to just live it. Otherwise, you're going to have a really hard time with working like that. So we know that the schools don't have to actually pay for this program, yeah. but they do have to complete a community yes. service project. Yeah. Can you give us an example of some of the community service projects yeah. that the schools have done? Yeah, schools get to be really creative with their community service projects. So every year, and we actually just wrapped up our school year in June, I got to see some of the community service projects that students completed. We give them kind of pretty open scope of just being like, if it connects to your watershed and to you know contributing to your watershed, then it's very likely going to be fine by us. We do approve it, but as you know, people, I think the, the message there being that often people know best about what to do for their own specific community. So for example, some schools have created community gardens or school gardens. We had a school that made their own school garden, organic garden this year in San Jose. Uh, we had a school in Watsonville um, make blankets for um, the dog shelter And I know that kind of might seem a little bit detached, but, you know, we also teach kids about how animal waste really impacts the watershed. And so organizations that are working to find homes for certain animals is also really important so they can kind of connect the dots between that. A lot of plastic reduction campaigns on campus, a lot of cleanups, a lot of science projects, you know, (laughs) monitoring turbidity and creeks and streams. Um, one group did, wow, it was so amazing. One group did a skit that they wrote, directed, <laughs> and then and then facilitated for not only for their school, but for community members that was oh, wow. that included a rap about bees <laughs> and about the importance of pollinators. So they are just all, all kinds of things. Um, and, you know, kids are really creative. Yeah. So getting to see that kind of come to the surface is, is always inspiring, too. And I'm sure that inspires you and gives you more ideas. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. They get, I mean, that's a, I think that's also something that, you know, the education community, I think, knows, but maybe not the general community knows, that kids are so much more smarter, smarter than we give them credit yeah. for. Um, and that a lot of our best ideas are driven by the things that they're telling us. Um, and, you know, if you think about it, obviously, it's their future more so than it is mine. So... We need to be paying attention to that. 
And then going off of that, how is the O'Neill Odyssey funded? Yeah, so as a nonprofit, we have a diverse source of funding streams. We have, we get grants from local agencies, from state agencies. We have local major donors. We have people who give us $10 a month. We have, you know, anything from like a bake sale being hosted in our honor to, um, you know, to some really major contributors to the organization. And and what's really important about that from a nonprofit perspective is that let's say something were to change in the government, right? As a nonprofit, we're a non-governmental organization. But if we had a heavy weighted amount of government funding and something changed in terms of priorities, then we could be obsolete pretty quickly, right? If one year they're like, oh, hey, we're actually not going to fund this entire program or this entire grant system. So what's, what's important for us is to make sure that we're really cultivating donors and funders from all kinds of sectors. Again, local businesses, rotaries fund us, you know, fraternity groups. There's just, oh, there's a lot, there's a lot, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and it all matters too. like the, the $10 a month donor to the $50,000 grant. They're really, they're, they're so significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And earlier you mentioned that there's some things that the everyday person might not know. And yeah. I was wondering, are there any misconceptions that people might have about your job and what you do? Yeah, misconceptions. You know, I think one of the big misconceptions just related to environmental nonprofits um, are that, why don't you just have volunteers do it? I hear that all the time. Or people think, you know, you're a volunteer. I'd be like, well... You know, that's great, but I live in Santa Cruz County, yeah. and I, I personally can't afford to volunteer full-time, and I appreciate people who, who do get to the point yeah. in life where they can. I mean, that's incredible, but I think that one of the biggest misconceptions, and it's kind of in the name, nonprofit, is that people think, well, you know, you do it because you love it, and you do it for free, and, you know, you don't really need that much money, but when... We're actually, the whole point is trying to flip that of being like, we actually do need to fund this. This is a priority. Mm -hmm. We need skilled workers in this field. We need to be able to attract and retain those skilled workers. We should be able to compete with businesses in a lot of ways to say, hey, there's like some really incredible person that could do this job for us and we'd like Mm -hmm. to hire them. Uh, But oftentimes because of kind of how nonprofits are looked at Mm -hmm. and that misconception, um, we're held back, I think, from being able to do the valuable work to the extent at which we could do it, you know. Because people don't think that you need the money. But yeah. Very, or, very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they think like, oh, I'll just get, you know, it's fine. Just I'll just get a volunteer to go out and do whatever, you know. And vo- a full-time yeah. job. Yeah, right, to do a full-time job. Like, that yeah. needs to be funded and we need to <laughs> prioritize it. And it is it is not a, it's not just a nice experience. It is a nice experience. You know, it's a great experience to bring kids out on the water. But to me, what I would like people to think about is that it's necessary. Because mm-hmm. if you're not having kids do these kinds of experiences, then they're not connected to the environment and then they're not necessarily going to become people who have sustainable lives and we yeah. can't live without a planet, you know? Yeah. So Definitely. it's really actually vital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Alina and I'm joined by other host, Emily. We're speaking with Rachel Kippen and learning about her career journey to becoming the executive director for O'Neill CR. Odyssey. Do you have any interesting stories or facts from this job so far? I know you've only been doing yeah, it for six months, but facts. Gosh. Or stories. Or stories overall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, there's like I feel like there's maybe, too maybe many. something that happened on the water or Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we've um we're really lucky. All the kinds of things that we get to see on the water are just we're so lucky. Because we're we're front line. What's happening, what we see on the boat, I think we get to see it first, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So for example, we've been seeing great white sharks. Wow. 
we've wow. been we saw last year i wasn't here of course but last year they saw a pod of orca whales oh, and i didn't imagine that can you imagine yeah. being a fifth grader yeah and maybe i'm going to field trip today and then what happens what that i think was so nice about our program is that we can be adaptable so our captains are on their radios and they can hear what's going on with like other whale watching vessels and other vessels in the region oh, you can so, go over. so yeah so they know so, you know so they're like they're privy to that information mm-hmm. so for example the day that the kids saw the killer whales you know they had their their lesson plan mapped out for the morning and then our instructors basically talked to the teachers and were like are you okay if we kind of modify slash scrap this lesson plan (laughs) because instead of going you know around the wharf we're just going to go straight out to this pot of killer whales and hopefully find them (laughs) and of course the teachers were like yes you know great um and then that's what it resulted in it resulted in you know these 30 kids getting to be literally surrounded by a pot of orcas which is just yeah it's incredible so i think there's there's always something interesting going on in the ocean you know there's now there's blooms of sea jellies and mola mola as the sunfish are in the bay right now and yeah and great white sharks are getting spotted pretty much on every trip that's going um down by sea cliff so yeah it's awesome You mentioned some fun things, but I want to know, yeah. what is the most stressful part of your job as an executive director? Yeah, stressful. Um, <laughs> I would say funding. Yeah. We have very generous folks in this town, and we have people who really care, and also it's a really expensive place to live. So if you think about all of those things kind of put together, that if we have a program that is necessary and people that are, you know, trying, taking care of themselves first and foremost, like or, you know, trying to run their small business, that there's not always a lot left over and trying to kind of scrap as much as you can together to make the program work and stay funded is, I think, an ever-changing landscape. And, yeah, I mean, that keeps me up at night and be like, (laughs) I gotta gotta make sure that that keeps coming in. And fortunately, I think people see the value in the work that we're doing and, and really support us, and that's been really helpful. But, again, that skill, too, I think fundraising in and of itself is an entire skill set slash career, right? Like figuring out how to be able to speak to people and ask them for money. Like that's not necessarily the most comfortable place to always be in, right? You got to practice that and be like, I'm going to sit down with this person and be like, Hey, can you give me $5,000? That's it. You, it requires confidence and, and also really feeling true to it. To me, what's been really helpful is thinking about it as, as though, as though it is another volunteer, for example, of being like, this is just a different way for this person yeah. to engage with our work than yeah. giving us their money, you know, as, as opposed to, you know, coming in, um, like scrubbing our life vest. They're, they're giving us their money. <laughs> that's really great, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's just been a, it's been a learning curve and, mm-hmm. it, and it can be really stressful, but it also can be really gratifying to see how generous people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is something you'd wish you'd known when you were starting out in this career? So many things. <laughs> um, I guess I wish I I wish I at when I was when I was in my twenties, I always wanted something more. I felt like you know, like I would be in a really cool position, for example, being an environmental educator, and I'd be like, wow, I just really can't wait until I can become like a coordinator, mm-hmm. and then I'd be a coordinator. I just like really can't wait until like I just run my own organization. And and I guess I wish that I had just been pr- more present in all of those things and hadn't necessarily gotten frustrated by where I hadn't gotten to yet, but just really trusted mm-hmm. that it was going to be okay and mm-hmm. embraced the present moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I was like, you're, you know, so now, because now as, you know, in my 30s, I'm looking back and on my early 20s and being like, 
wow, that was that was so sweet when you worked at Catalina Island Marine Institute. And I was just like, you will never have that experience again in your life. You know, <laughs> you should have just been waking up every day being like, yes. Yeah. So I guess that's, yeah, that's what I would tell myself. <laughs> What's something that you've learned or gained from this job? Also a lot of things. I think a lot of it's from just confidence of just like, I can handle whatever the day is going to throw at me. I, and, and not, I guess also not holding too tightly to any one thing, you know, just being like, if there's a problem, we're going to be able to solve it collectively. We have uh, a, a supportive community that's going to do that for us. And, you know, I think I've worked for enough nonprofits where I've seen that happen enough times where I can trust it. I mean, like there is going there, we will figure it out. Even when it feels like a building's on fire, it's not, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that there really is, again, I just want to bring it back to like all of the people in the various ways that they support us, whether it be through the teacher partners that work with us or the pe- the collaborators that help us with community service projects, other nonprofits, donors. There's just so many people who want to see us succeed. And, you know, you've got to remind yourself that. <laughs> yeah. And what is an accomplishment that you're proud of? Accomplishment that I'm proud of. I'm really proud of the fact that we're focusing on we're focusing on a generation that to me has been more impressive than anything I've seen and that we're given we're we are so lucky to be able to try to help elevate their perspectives you know to help bring students and young people into this into the fold in particular folks who children who have not had the access to the ocean. The majority of our students have never been on the ocean before, um, have never been on a boat before. You know, for many of them, this is their first informative time of, of connecting with the bay. Um, and I'm really proud of the fact that we're going to be able to see them later on in their lives gravitating. They're going to be the kids that are, you know, walking out of high schools during climate marches. And they're going to be the kids that are then adults who are working in these careers, probably coming up with things that are way more brilliant than I've ever come up with, you know, and, and not to, not to be the person that's putting the responsibility on that generation. Cause I think we, all of our generations need to take responsibility for what's going on in the environment. Um, but I'm, I'm just, I feel very lucky and very proud of the fact that we get to work with kids that, that, um, that it just brings so much to the world, you know. And what advice would you give to students who are graduating from high school or college and wanting to go into this field? I would say try some things, you know, just try. <laughs> like, I think one of the things that, that again, um, was oh, I was so lucky to do was take some of those seasonal jobs that were in, in research or in education, um, taking paid paid sometimes paid and sometimes unpaid internships and kind of piecemealing things together. Um, Cause I learned what I liked and what I didn't like, you know, I, those experiences weren't always like going to just be a slam dunk, you know, mm-hmm. and I could do an internship and say, wow, you know, I actually don't want to be an aquarist. I don't want to be mm-hmm. a person who's cleaning the shanks and like creating habitats. <laughs> that's not, you know, yeah. and for a while I thought that's what I wanted to do too, you know, mm-hmm. just be like, I could start kind of checking off the things that I, that I don't want to do as a career yeah. and really building on the things that I do. So I would say just really give yourself the freedom. And I know that's also a very privileged thing to say, but give yourself the freedom to, to try many paths and also just, yeah, explore and see the value. I think, I mean, I did a lot of other random jobs that had nothing to do with the environment, (laughs) you know, to pay the bills. And in those positions too, I learned some of the most valuable things that I've, you know, been able to, to apply in environmental careers. So just, you know, just keep trying stuff. 
Now, the last question we have for you is, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. Um, I would say that I would just encourage folks to um, to try to engage with local environmental nonprofits. And we have so many here in this town. We have so many. And they're all doing you know a different and valuable part of the work that we need to, to accomplish from addressing climate change to the health of our rivers, to educating students, to... Mm-hmm advocating against um, certain types of pollutants. Uh, and all of these nonprofits, I think, work really well together and also have their own kind of unique role. And um, half of it's just getting to know, you know, getting to know the work that we do here and mm-hmm. and volunteering. You know, volunteering is a really great way to start, you know, kind of getting their foot in the door of understanding the value of an organization. So as you just get to know your local local nonprofits. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank Rachel, you. Yeah. Yesterday. Thanks for having me. And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning into today's career story with your hosts, Melina and Emily, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Rachel Kippen, who is the executive director for the O'Neill Sea Odyssey. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattobe at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening.